All right, hello, and welcome to another edition of Project Artcast. Today we're talking to Dave Minnelli, uh, local, as Shook has put it, Renaissance man, <laughs> writer, musician, businessman, blogger. Um, would you like to continue? I think you. That's enough. I don't think I'm any of those things. <laughs> I'll have to prove it today. Okay. <laughs> so first off, tell us a little bit about your history and uh, what makes you tick. Okay. This is what could make this whole thing really long. So we'll, I'll try to keep it intro short. But yeah, I was uh, uh, born and raised in Omaha, but when I was uh, 24, I uh, bought into a restaurant here called Julio's Restaurant out west. And uh, my wife and I still own part of that restaurant. It's on 123rd and Center. It's been 20 years this year. So it's uh, been a long time. been part of the uh, Omaha business community. Um, I left the business in uh, 2008. Uh, I left to have a back surgery, which would have been a second back surgery. I was only supposed to be gone for a short while and uh, never went back. I had some complications with the back surgery and had to have another one. And so a uh, big life change and I ended up working for a company called Homestead Senior Care, which is a Omaha started company, uh, but it's a global company. It's, it's a neat company. They help they're, they're a franchise company, and the the, bottom, the end result is that they send caregivers into the home to take care of seniors. Okay, so it's a private company. I was on the business side, and I consulted businesses, and I ended up working with uh, their international master franchises. So the company would partner with uh, a group or a person in a, in a country or a market. We would uh, I would go in and help them set up uh, a pilot office and help them get going. And when they had a profitable business to franchise, we would help them get going and franchise that market and uh, made some great relationships around the world. I traveled around the world. I had a great job. I believe it. And then 2011, late 2011, I became seriously ill and uh, crashed. <laughs> so I uh, spent about a year trying to find out what I was going to die of. After we couldn't find out what it was, couldn't figure it out, spent another two years trying to figure out how to treat the thing. I'm here now, and I'm on some meds, feeling pretty good. <laughs> uh, I'm not 100%, but I'm definitely functional and uh, right happy, and uh, my life has completely changed, and now I'm doing art podcasts, so we'll have to figure out how to get to that point, <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. So um, I know I read that because of after your illness and your subsequent recovery, if you will, um, you've started doing music as well. And has that been somewhat therapeutic for you mm. or? Yeah. And I've always done music. So I, when I broke my for, back the first time I was in high school and I was real athletic uh, as far as playing sports all the time. And when I broke my back, I had to put that energy somewhere. I was a junior in high school and I think somebody brought a guitar over. So I started then into the music. Um, okay. and then, uh, after college, I really got into it and I did, you know, I played a lot. I played around. I wasn't, big into it. I didn't start a lot of bands, but I definitely played places. I did a lot of singer-songwriter stuff. And then over the years with the restaurant, it was my go-to. I mean, I, every night I came home from the bar, I I played music. You know, <laughs> it's just, I think any artist knows you go to your, you go to your sweet spot and yeah. do yeah. your thing, right? To, it's yep. meditation yeah, and that's absolutely. what you do. And I always wrote. Uh, out of co I wrote in college. I loved English. Uh, I, I had some things published. And, um, probably thought of it more as a hobby back in uh, the 90s uh, aging myself but uh and then <laughs> we're uh, all there <laughs> yeah. 
so then I got, um, so after I get sick, you know, I couldn't play music. I, I was just too sick. Um, but as I started getting better and having better days, I started writing again. I went ahead and jumped into the Nebraska MFA program for writing too, because mm -hmm. I had written a couple novels and one very serious literary novel that I wanted to do something with. And, you know, I just didn't have the credential. I didn't have the, and I knew it needed more and mm -hmm. I needed, and I wanted more. And so, um, it's a low residency program. You go twice a year for 10 days. It's fantastic. Incredible faculty from around the country, and uh, it turned out way more than I've even thought. But I figured I could be sick down there. It's in Nebraska City. Yeah, we we meet, <laughs> and I figured, you know, and I was yeah. right. I when I was sick, I just stayed in my room and went to lectures when I could and everything. So um, I'm about I'm almost through with that, and it's been fantastic. And I've got great advocates out of that faculty that are amazing writers. Uh, one's a publisher in L.A. that I work with with the novel. Mm -hmm. My novel's sitting on an agent's desk right now, thanks to her. Brilliant. In New that's York, yeah. we'll see. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? But it's a start, and mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing I, you know, I can't. You just can't put a value on this kind of stuff. You know, these relationships I'm making, mm -hmm. the music. So the music's a great story. So because this is where the synchronicity happens with the MFA. So um, I still don't feel great. Is this HBO or is this? Is yes. This yeah. Pay? Whatever you okay. want to say. Uh, whatever. All right. So <laughs> let it all out, man. It's so all I good. still feel like shit most of the time, <laughs> right. to be honest. And I, I I'm I, you know, uh I'm not great, but but I'm writing it. And between the writing and the um the music, I'm really, really putting it out and I'm feeling great. And so musicians are starting to come back over. Mm -hmm. And I have a studio in the basement and they're playing and we're playing and I'm writing and I'm writing. Well, I've Befriend a guy down at this MFA, a poet down at this uh, MFA program. He teaches at Wayne State. He looks like Kurt Cobain. He thinks he's a beat. <clears throat> you know, I, <laughs> I mean, a little too much, to be honest. I mean, I'm scared I've, I've for him. I've met a few of them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't want to name any names or anything because I don't want to get him in trouble. But, I mean, the kind of stuff you do, you know, and you, I, I feel like you're going to end up on acid shooting shotguns at the sky. That, you know, and I, I would love to do that, but, you know, it's not 1959. Anyway, so... You go, uh, I, I, he calls me up one day and he says, hey, I'm at the bar, this is Omaha, mm -hmm. I'm at the bar with my grandpa. Come out and, uh, and my brother-in-law, come out and have a beer. And I am in bed sick. And I'm like, mm. he's like, come on, I'm sick of you being sick, you know, this kind of thing. So I said, all right, fine. So I get out of bed, I go meet him for a beer. And his brother-in-law happens to be a guy named Mark Manor. Mark Manor is a writer in town on music, and he's a, he's been a producer, a manager. I mean, he's just, he's Omaha music. He's been around forever. He writes for Omaha Dispatch. He's written for Reader, City mm -hmm. Weekly. And we get to realizing who we are. And he says, we started a singer-songwriter night over at the library. Are you, are you writing? Are you playing? I'm like, I just started again. He's like, well, we're paying. Everybody's doing it. Pe great people are doing it. And I was like, I'll stop by. I'd love to do it. I'm not ready. I'd love to stop by. So I stopped by, and sure enough, there was a bunch of people my age from, you know, back in the early 90s bands um, playing, you know, and it was fantastic. And I was like, ah, this is great. You know, I, I would love to do this sometime. Of course, I'm thinking this is like, you know, five years away. <laughs> and uh, so um, he... Mark is there, and he, he, he comes up to me, and he says, I need you. I'm like, well, what's up? And he's like, do you remember Derek Higgins? And I don't know if you know Derek Higgins, but he's a legend around Omaha. Yeah. Um, 
amazing bands. He's an actor. He's uh, He's been around forever. And he was in RAF, which was a punk band in mm-hmm. the 80s. He was in Digital Sex. He was yeah. in just, and, he's, and he plays with amazing people, you mm-hmm. know. I mean, not, big time acts, yeah. you know. So uh, I'm like, what about him? You know, and he's like, well, he's got a, he wants to play. And, you know, uh, he's got a new album out. And it's all instrumental. It's very electric, too. And I'm like, he wants to play, you know. And he's like, yeah, I don't know what he wants to do, but uh, he doesn't want to bring anyone. So can you play with him? I think you'd be a good fit. I'm like, you don't even know, <laughs> you know. I mean, so, <laughs> so my wife is there. And she's had a few. And if you know my wife, right. she's great. But she says, he'll do it. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even the, the, the other singers, the other people, they don't even know the songs yet. She's like, he'll do it. He'll be there. And Mark's like, great. And he walks away. You know? <laughs> I have one month, you know. So anyway, and, and Mike knows because he came. Uh, it was great. Him and Stacy came. And, you know, and, and we did it. And it was great. I mean, it was very rough because, you know, uh, we hadn't even practiced this group. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, library, we brought a good crowd in the library. If you cheat and you only play once every five years, you get a good crowd and it Absolutely. makes you look really yeah, popular, yeah. you know? <laughs> so the library had us back. Uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, we, we can't calls for like festivals wanted us to play a couple of festivals. And then and the waiting room the, the, had a cancellation. So the waiting room had us come out and play. We played the waiting room. Now the waiting room is going to have us back twice, October and December. Uh, I'm going to go yeah. to a, um, a music university in Des Moines at Drake. I, I might. You know, help with a panel. Wow. Uh, with it, uh, Bob Mold's going to be there. A couple really? other people. I mean, wow. you know, I mean, this thing's just going crazy, and the band still doesn't know all the songs. And we don't, you know, and people are like, "We've got, you know, you've got to get some music out there." And we're finally going to go into the studio, hopefully like November eighth and ninth, to try to get like an EP done, like three or four songs, and then we'll keep going in to yeah. get the album done. So we started, so I finally put a name to the band. It was like Dave Manelli and Friends and Dave Manelli and Company. And, right. Cause, and the band hated it, you know, of course. And we used to put fun signs like, it'd be Dave Manelli really small. The band made these. The right. Dave Manelli really small and then it'd be Friends, huge, <laughs> at the library, you know, right. or whatever. And, uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, we're going to the studio, we'll get that done. And then it's just going crazy. It's crazy, you know. I mean, I can't believe this all happened. All because I went, got out of bed and had that beer with the MFA guy, you know, and I just right. feel like all the synchronicity is happening. Um, here I am doing the very things I want to do, the things that make me most happy, which is music and writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't ask for anymore. I'm 43 years old. I just sent my daughter to college. She just came back home for the weekend for the first time. She just went freshman. My son's a senior in high school. And I feel like a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, here I am. I mean, the band, we named the band Basil Mills after a ghost town up in northern Nebraska. Uh, I went up and traveled up there last week to see it, mm-hmm. uh, visited it, and stayed in Creighton. And I did that for my writing, too, because I'm writing a new book on kind of middle America. And uh, the blog post about your adventure in Basil Mills I, is awesome. Oh, it is. Spectacular. Oh, did you see yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just got home today. I went south today to Kansas. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, which I, I, you know, I, I, I feel like you got to know what you're writing about kind of more. I, I, I that was that travels with Charlie. Right. With the right. Blog. Right. And uh, so I did it again because I'm not gonna have a lot of time to do this. I don't. I'm not gonna do this every week. But I spent a couple of days <laughs> in Kansas in Motel Eight. My wife told me not to sleep under the covers. And, uh, <laughs> and I was gonna camp, but it was hot. 
I mean, it was like, yeah, it was crazy. It was ridiculous. Days. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, I went to all over down there. It was beautiful. Uh, Flint Hills and Manhattan. Okay. And mm-hmm. I stopped in Topeka and, and went to the, um, the hate. God hates fags. The, the oh, the the, the West. I went to yeah. Westboro's house, took some pictures. Of, I wanted to go in there. I was in a cafe, and I, you know, I mean, it was like I wanted to sit down, but they say they're really scary, and I was like, because they're dumb, right? Know? But it was like no, and I was, you know, oh, I just wanted to go in there and just sit down and have a cup of coffee or something, and just sit there and look around. But I mean, just to see it was crazy, you know. Yeah. I mean, just to see it. My boyfriend yeah. grew up there in T- Topeka, so he, I get to hear all about. Oh. The craziness. Well, there's a rainbow is. house now yes, right indeed, across, yes. which is cool, you know. And, <laughs> and I think it's great, you know. Yeah. Some hippie kid was outside just kind of standing there. And I was like, <laughs> good for you, you know. But but then I went up to, you know, I took, anyway, I just, you know, I don't know. And I, I'm doing this stuff, and it's just like, mm-hmm. I guess back to my original point. What, <laughs> the hell, what the hell am I doing here? How did I get here, right? And it's all because I don't want to go through that illness again because mm-hmm. I, I really did think I was going to die for a while. I was in my head setting mm-hmm. stuff up. I was getting ready to die. I was trying to figure out how to tell the kids, how to work right. with it. Mm-hmm. Um, they went through a lot. My wife went through a lot. I mean, when they leave for school and I'm laying in bed, sick. I woke up every day for a year like I had the flu and a migraine every day. And some days, I mean, if I got more than four hours out of bed, that was good, a good day, I guess. And that's hard on everybody, you know. But because of it, I'm here now. And so... Okay, you know what I mean. Right. Take gonna, it. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I think that surviving surviving something like that just brings everybody close to you even closer. It has. You know, I mean, it makes your bonds with everybody even yeah. stronger, and makes you take things or not take things for granted the way. Oh you know, my gosh! You and, used and this, to. Oh my gosh! This has kind of sparked your. I mean, when your your travels with Charlie plan, you're 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 going around to the Midwest and the places where are so near to where you've been, but probably haven't places that you've been and not at and all. and now going in and truly yep. discovering what's so close all the time is that part of I mean that's yeah. all stemmed from your new life perspective Absolutely. and like everybody so. else, I'm not thrilled with America in a lot of ways. Uh, mm-hmm. My big thing is the anti intellectual crusade um uh you know religion's trying to kind of shove its way in there and push the academic intellectual scientific society aside and i don't like that you know and i don't care if you want to be religious and everything i just you know that's my big deal but on the other hand you know i hate to lose what's good about america too you know and and america is all that's good and bad about the world wrapped in one and i just try to Sometimes you just lose balance with that stuff. And mm-hmm. I think it's good to do this kind of thing, you know, yeah. to get out there and just be with people. And no matter what their politics and no matter exactly. what the religion, you know, we're still are pretty close. We're still pretty good people. Yeah. Um, you know, and nobody told me to cut my hair. I stopped in a lot of gas stations and uh, most <laughs> of them were nice. There was a couple that didn't want anything to do with me, but most right. of them were nice. You know? I've done a lot of traveling around the Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, just going out and photographing these little places around. Mm. And after I got back from Europe, I was like, wow, I would really like to know about where yeah. I am. Because we don't even know. Right, right. right. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just started doing this journey where I would just drive out on the weekends and just go discover places that were close by that I didn't know. And it was, you know, the people there, you know, depending on how you introduce yourself and how you present yourself to them, even throughout the conversation, their attitude towards you can change. Yeah. In mm-hmm. just a simple few words, where I'm like, "Hey, I'm exploring your mm-hmm. world," and they seem to open up a lot more when I brought out the camera and stuff. But 
By the it way, very photogenic, the area. Oh, absolutely. I, and I think it's really interesting how it seems like, um, you know, there's a really, I mean, <laughs> there's so much condemned and broken down and about the Midwest, mm -hmm. right? I mean, things, even half of a town just oh, yeah. left, right? Mm -hmm. Gone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to that? What's, I, I mean, I, I understand the ghost town thing, but what's going to happen to these parts that are just like, you know, abandoned <laughs> abandoned right, right, and they're right. just like you know half a town is just just decrepit it's just exactly. it's just mm -hmm. falling apart and or the farmhouse is just falling apart and uh yet it seems like the the natural states coming back beautifully around it absolutely right, right? Yeah, and yeah. so there's this dynamic this is crazy so i just thought i could see that photogenic mm -hmm. part of it mm -hmm. all everywhere oh yeah it was incredible yeah. um and and then yeah. back to the appreciating everything the blog uh mm -hmm. I didn't know what the blog was going to be. And I'd started it because one of my mentors had told me when I was in the MFA, you should probably have a blog started. So when you could get some writing out there, they can check you out or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I thought I'd be a writing blog and it was like, ah, yeah, maybe business, maybe music. So I kind of just threw it all together. And then I realized I had not really re-entered society at the time yet. I was still sick when I was doing the MFA and everything. So, um, there were people always asking, how's Dave? How's Dave? My wife's going to buy a shirt that said, Dave's fine. Check with me later or something. I'll let you yeah. know or something. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I I put on there a, a kind of a edgy, this is what's going on oh, with me yeah. illness thing. Yeah. And it kind of went mini viral mm -hmm. for, for me. I, yeah. I scared the hell out of me, to be honest. I mean, it, it, That's the one that sucked me in. Well, I, well that it, went that about, was... I had like thousands of hits on it. Mm -hmm. And uh people started sharing with me their same, similar kind of situations, mm -hmm. undiagnosed illnesses mm -hmm. and uh, people I didn't know, you know, it was cool. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so then um, that was one thing. And then um, I started dealing with, uh, you know, getting out of this illness and, and moving forward and, and uh, dealing with like depression and not really like a state of depression that you'd think of when you picture it, but, you know, I mean, it was hard. I didn't mm -hmm. know, you know, well, first of all, waking up sick every day was hard. That's one kind well, of depression. Yeah, to take it out of you. But then it's like, you know, how do I move forward with my life? I'm scared. I'm scared to go outside because I might get sick. I'm scared to go to a party because I'm going to ruin it. And I'm going to get sick and have to go home. Mm -hmm. And Tiff's gonna be, my wife's going to be mad or my mom and dad are going to be upset or, you know, I mean, right. whatever. I mean, so I, or how do I go back to work? What is work? I don't even know what that is mm -hmm. next, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I was dealing with this stuff and I was talking to people and, and it's just finding out that Omaha is so terrible with mental health. And yeah. I was dealing, I was talking to this guy down at the community Alliance and he was a wonderful guy and I got talking to him and I just put this post on and I just kind of said, you know, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about myself. And that went crazy. Mm -hmm. But this time I had people sending me private notes. <laughs> that I could not, I am not, a, I almost wanted to put, I am not a doctor, first of all, number one, you know, number two, not a therapist. You don't have to, sh I, it's like, you know, uh, I might be depressed and they're sending back, you know, I killed my parents. Yeah. You know, I like, right. <laughs> I don't want to know. I, I, I really, but it was, it, it was cool. I mean, it just shows though, if you just shit, that's what I think art is. Yeah. I mean, I know you got, I'm probably going to ask me this, but. Well, not if you answer it already. <laughs> <laughs> Look what happens when you share just a little. Right. And you connect. 
That's what it is, right? It opens up yeah. the floodgates. And they just want to jump right back, yeah, and they just exactly. say, thank you. And they want to share it right back, right? Or, right. or just say, look at you and say, I felt that same way, mm-hmm. you know? Well, I think, I think the way it really comes across is if you convey a certain sense of vulnerability that, that your audience can pick up on, then that kind of makes it, that kind of gives the, the audience permission to go ahead and go, okay, well, you know, somebody else feels that way, or, or I, I have a kinship with that and person. a mountain of words I need to release on right. to this person because I haven't been able to tell anybody else. Right. Because right. no one would relate. Well, like, so. I, Dave and I have been friends on Facebook for years. And, like, I met Stacy when she was working at Julio's. And, I, and me and Dave, I don't think we've ever had more than a five-minute conversation because I was always just the guy that was bugging his employee. Right. I, I mean, he's like... That guy. You know, yeah, it's just that guy. <laughs> well, and I discovered his blog just on a lark. I mean, just like he was a random post, and I just randomly clicked on it, and I read it, and I got sucked into it. And I was like, wow, this is just really powerful. And wherever my head was at the time, wrapped up in you know work or stressing about whatever nonsense by the time i got to the end of his blog i was like wow i can't believe i was spending so much time thinking about all that other crap that was a waste of time Mm -hmm. you know and it was it was really inspiring you know Mm. and and i was like thank you i wanted everybody to read it Hmm. appreciate it that's nice sorry that was my two well and that's (laughs) but you know it's it's not to start you know i think doing as much consulting in the business world mm-hmm. i think that's why i did a pretty good job there too because mm-hmm. i failed at business too uh we opened a restaurant in the mid 90s uh i was super proud of it uh, made some mistakes with it i think it would have worked if i would have redo it again i won't um but the first thing i tell people is hey i failed you know i mean i yeah. <laughs> i don't wish that upon anyone mm-hmm. so let's not let you do that either you yeah, know right. and i'll tell you exactly what i went through and it was bad right you know and if i open myself up like that usually that's a pretty good way of starting off and getting trust you know mm-hmm. and i'm not lying because <laughs> they can tell and i'm <laughs> telling them the truth when because i can tell them what i went through you know mm-hmm. going home and looking your kids in the eye and saying we might be losing the house when they're babes <laughs> and you're t- looking you know and you're like that's that's something you go through and pain pain shows in, oh, yeah. in art and writing yes uh, and uh, it and it also I think especially in writing uh, it shows when someone hasn't gone through pain mm-hmm. I don't know that's me mm-hmm. yeah you know, I just right. kind of know when someone hasn't or or even just talking to someone you're right. like that person just wait they know you nothing you you're gonna go through something and <laughs> yeah. then you're gonna be well I, see I always think that pain is easy to convey like particularly in art in visual art i always think pain is easy to convey to me joy is always harder much harder to convey that's true though you know i mean how do you i mean truly express it so that without being a total cheesemonger right so thought like unicorns and dolphins (laughs) and rainbows you know i I like rainbows that's a good point that's a good point you know i mean that that's so to to have it come across i mean because i like in your writing there's a certain sense of melancholy but at the same time there's hope in it you know there's you know hope for looking looking forward that is you know that you just don't see in in a lot of writing or or even in art in visual art Mm -hmm. that you know i that i find that i think is really refreshing Hmm. man 
I'm going to have to get this guy on a marketing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's your new manager. So is there any similarities between the way you write on your blog and the way you write for your novels or your short stories? Do you have yeah. a very separate style? Yeah, it is separate style. Okay. It really is. Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. Yeah, that's really different. Uh, the blog is... Um, is you know very essay form and it's very me just mm -hmm. just uh i my brothers and i have two brothers and we're, we're very um hard on each other very harsh uh some might call it uh, asshole and um <laughs> to each other and you know and that's good and mm -hmm. we're hard we don't let each other get away with anything and um we're, we're funny to each other we think we're the funniest people in the world in fact and i think we are of course uh anyway so but i mean so I, that's how I portray it. And I think even in the illness, I, as you know, the yeah. blog, I, I, I was funny. I, mm -hmm. I, I put yeah. funny things in there. I was oh, thinking yeah. I was dying and I made jokes about mm -hmm. it, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that's how I am. Um, so, but with fiction, which I love, I mean, I just, I, there's an empathy and there's a characterization, a narrate, there's a narration to mm -hmm. it that I, um, I just love to tell a story and, and, I love to try to figure out how to do it with, um, okay, so this novel that I have finished, um, I mean, when I first wrote it, it was 400,000 words, and that's like 900 pages of a book. Of <laughs> <A> fiction. <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> You know, that's a book a bit much <laughs> um but you know the whole process is the rewriting the restructuring mm -hmm. and figuring out you know and uh it's down to a hundred thousand words and uh that's still pretty good chunk it's yeah. like almost 400 you know it's about 400 pages and, uh, you know i i just love it and i love more than one character but i love the narration and and first person is my favorite because i love to be in people's heads mm -hmm. close to it and um and I think fiction gets closer to the truth, to be honest. I mean, you read these memoirs and these autobiographies, and they can just say whatever they want. But and, and some of them can go all the way, for sure. And when they do, they probably connect the most, right? Because they, mm -hmm. they're being honest. But fiction, for me, you know, and I'm a, I'm a David Foster Wallace fan and uh, an infinite jest. And he, you know, when he talks about the drug halfway house uh, and the people in there, I don't know if you guys have read this, but... Mm -hmm. I don't think you get any closer to the truth. And I think if you read someone's memoir, you couldn't get there because you couldn't get into all those characters and right. you couldn't get, you know, and I think that's what fiction does mm -hmm. for me is I can, I actually get closer to that, you know, um, that whole picture, that whole truth. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what I try to do. And I'm very much a realist. I, I'm not a surrealist at all. I, I, I've played around with it, short stories and stuff, but um, I think there's enough shit going on <laughs> in the world that uh, you know we don't need. I don't. I don't need to. Mm -hmm. People are great at it. I just don't need to do. I, it just amazes me enough that I'm just going to talk about what's going on right. already here. Right. You know, so that's kind of where I do. I you know I I've written a ton of short stories and I'm working on them now and I'm putting them out there and uh, uh, Missouri View just sent me a thing today and rejected me on a story, but they sent me a really nice rejection. Actually, it said, we loved your narration and loved your story. Please send more. And I was like, that is the weirdest rejection ever, but it was a good rejection. So are uh, you keeping all of your reject, like rejection letters? Are you keeping them? Like, in a no, well, this was framing the, them. Yeah, yeah. So this yeah. short story, make a book. <laughs> I should, you're right. I don't think I could do that. Um, I, I, I got thick skin on this stuff, you know, well, I, you, I mean, you, you have to. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, but, 
like I said, this was a great rejection letter. I mean, <laughs> please send more, they said. <laughs> Why don't you take it? I mean, you know. Um, but I, it drives me, though. Mm-hmm. You know, it really does drive me. And um, like I said, this faculty down at UNMFA, at Nebraska's MFA, is a hidden gem. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I didn't even know about it. I just signed up for it because it was the one in my backyard. Right. I mean, the authors there are serious mm-hmm. authors. They're serious poets. And uh, So do you see that? Do you see your work there with the MFA program? Do you see that influencing, like, say, your songwriting? Oh, yeah. I'm is finding there, voice, yeah. Is there a lot of crossover between, Absolutely. like, say, the blog, the writing, and the songwriting? I think I mean, so. Oh. I really do. Uh, I think that's why the band's doing well. <laughs> I think my songs are finding their voice more. I think I'm, you know, I've always been more of a storyteller uh, in the songs anyway uh, but I think it's got the American kind of theme too going right now I've kind of right. combined it mm-hmm. I've always tried to convince my friends who are musicians and try and write their own songs to read more or you know go to school right. for you know for English to actually read more because it will make them such better writers and I get a lot of pashas oh like, I, right. I can agree more yeah it's you know the writers songwriters you know that, that are well read yeah I'm sorry, it's just, mm-hmm. and the ones that aren't are just repeating, 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 mm-hmm. and they're just cliche, cliche, cliche. And it's, well, I think that holds true for every aspect. I mean, e- like even in like visual arts, and painting, oh, absolutely, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, I of think life, you, you, yeah. yeah, well, <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, I believe it in business. I mean, I these business books drive me crazy. It's like, you know, they, I because I here I went from the restaurant to the corporate world and mm-hmm. I keep getting handed these books, you know, mm-hmm. move my cheese, move my this, <laughs> uh, you know, grumping uh, or I don't even know. What Seven habits. Of, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, give them fiction or mm-hmm. make them write stories or mm-hmm. make them create and you will get so much more out of them because they're going to be coming up with so much more. Uh, they're, you know, right now they're just so linear and they're so thinking what they're supposed to think. I mean, everyone's going to come up with the same exact stuff, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, nobody's coming up with the questions I'm coming up with, you know? Right. Because I, I'm i out here reading totally crazy stuff and thinking up creative stuff. Mm-hmm. Even if it's art, even if it's writing or songwriting, it makes a difference in business because you're just sparking different parts mm-hmm. of this brain, you know? And I well, believe in that fully. Right. Well, like you were saying, like the business books, I've attempted to read some before, and they're they're a clear path. Do this, do that, mm-hmm. do this. That's how you become successful. Well, that's not the case. No. In, I mean, in business or in art and anything, no. everybody has to find their own path, and you have to do it through trial and error. And, you know, I mean, so I mean, I, I totally agree with you about, about fiction. Mm-hmm. I mean, because fiction kind of spurs thinking. Yeah. And, and history. Yeah. Like, I am a huge nonfiction fan. I've always used to read, you know, both. Mm-hmm. And, and I love history, you know. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, it's like, we ignore that. <laughs> we don't create. And this is what we're ending up with in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to convey in my writing. Mm-hmm. This is, is that we're just becoming what we are. Yeah. This, what you're seeing. All mm-hmm. this craziness is the result of all that. Yeah. We have completely lost touch with what Thinking. we've learned. I've often said that I think we're living in the new dark ages. <laughs> that that historians in the future will look back and say that this was the second dark ages. I saw a new scientist magazine, which I get, and I haven't read it, but I saw the cover said the dumbing down of humankind, and said they're starting to see results of that. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't read it, but I, I can't wait to, because it's idiocracy. <laughs> here we come. <laughs> yes, oh, exactly. Man. 
<laughs> well, you know, that make was... things simpler. Not, you know, no one has to think anymore. That movie was based on a actual book. Oh, what? Yeah. Called the the sliding scale or the great the, oh, the curve or the something curve. like that. Yeah, it's scary stuff. Funny, but scary. <laughs> yeah. Terrifying. Terrifying, yes. <laughs> so have you, uh, like, I know I'm not as familiar with your work as, you know, say Mike, but uh, have you done, like, poetry? Have you thought about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I am not a poet. I mean, I, I love poetry, and I write it, and I uh, read a lot of it. Yeah, but and, you don't want to get and up friends, and say it? I'm friends with, <laughs> I drink with a lot of poets. Yeah. And so... Uh, there's nothing worse than getting drunk with poets. <laughs> can you play the bongos? Yes, I can. <laughs> yes. Naked a... with bongos. Didn't... Yeah, like Matthew McConaughey. Didn't hear a poet. Sounds like my ex-husband. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I, I, uh, I love poetry, and I read. A, I, I really do. I, um, I, I love all kinds, and I'm afraid to talk about it, though, to be honest. Because now that I'm in the MFA, I'm all around it, and I'm learning about it too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you can't not learn about it just because I'm not in that track or whatever. You mm -hmm. know, because you're going to the lectures, you're doing all. I do. I go to everything I can. Mm -hmm. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, you do feel kind of like, ah, that's great, you know, or, you know, and, and the, I have a friend in LA who's this publisher now and, and she's an amazing poet and, um, she publishes poets and, uh, you know, I, I'm reading them, I'm learning who she's publishing, why she's publishing them. And, you know, I mean, probably the saddest part about publishing or, or maybe it's not sad. You can decide, but, <laughs> You can't just be a great writer anymore, and probably artist either, probably musician. I mean, you have to be a good marketing business person. And, yep. you know, Hemingway and these guys, Definitely. so I went to this writer's publishing conference in Seattle, and it's all the publishers everywhere, medium to small. None of the big five are there, but everybody else who publishes goes there. Journals, magazines, and books. And um, I was just thinking, I mean, I was just like, can you imagine Hemingway going around with a trying to find someone to publish his book or something? I mean, I bet he'd rather fight them for it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was like, you know, but that's that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. I mean, and and they and artists are terrible business people, awful. <laughs> I, I remember Indeed. That, I, I saw a friend and he's like, I'm like, well, let me buy your book. I'll buy both of them. Come on. And he's like, all right. I go, how much are they? He's like twenty. This other guy's there, and I was, I, he's like, do you want to buy my book? I'm like. I don't know. Is it good? You know? And he's like, Oh, I think so. I'm like, and the, the, my friend says, yeah, it's great. You know, buy his book. I'm like, all right. I'm like, sell me on the book. Come on, sell me on the book. Mm -hmm. He's like, da, da, da. well, I, you know, I'm from New Jersey and I grew up blue collar and the poems are about my family. And da, da, da. I'm like, all right. Okay. How much? He's like, uh, is $10. Okay. <sighs> I'm like, so you just told me you spent <laughs> a year and a half working on this, you know, it's about your family and all this. And you just asked me if $10 was okay. You guys yeah. are, I mean, this yeah, is how artists are, you know, yeah, I mean, and we're all like this. We're all self-deprecating terrible, mm -hmm. you know, but now that it's published, I mean, come on, stand up for yourself, <laughs> man. You're at the, you Believe know. in it. But uh, so the marketing business part, I mean, if you tell me I've got to sell 5,000 books as a publisher, I'm going to find, if I have to, I'll find 5,000 ways to sell one book. That's mm -hmm. me. Right. That's me. But these guys, these writers out here, I mean, seriously, they're selling 100 books, and then they don't know why the publisher doesn't want to pick them back up, you know? Right. Oh, I did yeah. a couple readings. I mean, or I did the, you know, come on. I mean, you should be able to sell, like, 
a hundred without even trying to your family and friends. And well, if it's your passion, you should be just talking about it. You should be able to convey that mm -hmm. in, to to total strangers. You're, you're, yeah, you should be able to get them excited with it about it without them even cracking the spine or yeah. really even. And talk loud enough so the people yeah. at the next table can hear you and get psyched out about your book too. <laughs> that's, that's right. Or or always opening in your own book on the airplane. Right. You know, you're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is so funny. Making sure you cover up is it a picture exactly. on the back? <laughs> but I mean, I'm sorry that's the way it is. I mean, I, I is there going to be a lot of great, great writers and artists that are going to be missed? Probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, word of mouth. Because they're socially yeah. inept. Yeah. Because yeah. we know a lot of people who, in the past, were socially yeah. inept, right? That... And the saturation at this point is just, I mean, it's, it's I mean, too many. The, I mean, scary. the way that people, there's so much information and so many people out there all doing this and everybody's mm -hmm. getting shuffled in together and we're all getting lost oh, in the God. shuffle and there's no big yeah. things jumping out because it's, you know, how, who jumps out? It's the, the popcorn. Yeah, but with right. with pieces. But with all the technology today, at least you have more of a, a way to to distribute because you, think think about Well, you do. You the have millions much more of poets no one ever heard of like 100 years ago because there's just no way. No way to ever have heard anything they ever wrote because it's just some dude yeah. in some town in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. No one's ever going to read it. No one's ever going to know it existed. But at least today, you have a way, if you're yeah. aggressive enough or, you know, those things I'm not, like, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not aggressive, ambitious. but ambitious, yes. Yeah. Well, the hardest part, though, is for the re reader or the consumer, though, is to know, though, like self-publishing and stuff, you know, it's fine if... Uh, <laughs> Somebody who's made it does that because they're sick right. of it, right? Right. Or, mm -hmm. or Pearl Jam does their own album because right. they're done. That's right. cool, right? Yeah. Right. That's hip. But they're but Pearl Jam. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for the consumer, yeah. though, for us to know that a journal is not, you know, a couple teenagers stapling papers together, you know. Yeah. I am really yeah, exactly. bad at modern literature because of the fact that I can't tell how to, you know, it's like you you try to sort through all this, the masses of information and you're right. like, what's going to be worth my time? Mm. How do you even know if this isn't just going to be? It's, it's well, just... that's the problem. And... We, I mean, we live in an age where everybody can kind of create their own reality or create that they get to dictate how, what kind of outside influences they're exposed mm -hmm. to on a daily basis where it wasn't like that even like say 10 or 15, 20 years ago. No. Do they have a Pandora for books? <laughs> they will. So, Amazon's so going to start streaming. Books, Are they? So that you basically. can just pick up little pieces of. It's not good for writers. No, Same way music's no. not. No, I mean, musicians I aren't making money off the Spotify stuff. No, and, they're uh, not. So you think publishers are needed just to curate the work, kind of thing? I think they're definitely still needed. And and uh, like for me, I I'm not going to just send my work out. And this is just me. But I'm not going to send my work out to every journal that comes out just to say I was published. Mm -hmm. I won't do it. Mm -hmm. <sighs> you know, maybe in ten years when I still have nothing published, like big. <laughs> you know, I'm, I mean, but I mean, if you you have to be patient, and that's another thing that you know people aren't, and so because of this age today. But if I, I will. I, I'm going to go through as much as I can to try to get a publisher, a good publisher. It doesn't have to be one of the big five, but I mean, you know, or four or whatever. The, what are we down to? What time is it? <laughs> but I mean, I'm a good sized publisher. I want a good publisher to publish my book. I mean, I, I, 
that's me. And mm-hmm. I'm doing everything I can to do it right. And, uh, you know, I have good advocates and, and good people behind me saying, trying to help me do that. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it a go. And if it fails, then I'll look at what's next. You know, I mean, at some point you'll, you'll look at that. Um, and I'm not saying it's, but, you know, I don't know. Everybody, you know, you come out of an MFA program and, and what do you do? Well, you can teach and that's great. You got to. I mean, you got to make money. Writers don't make money. Artists don't make money. Yeah. I mean, society doesn't treat the artists <laughs> like, probably, you know. But how do you pay all the artists? I mean, you just said anyone can get the information out there now. Mm-hmm. You can't pay everybody. Right. No. You got to pay the people who deserve to be paid. And how, do you, how do you decipher that? Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, um what was I saying? <laughs> <laughs> Am I Publishing. No, <laughs> no the, but the thing is, I mean, you can't, you just can't um, go start a journal. I mean, it's like everybody's going to go start a new magazine or a new journal or a new artist. You know, mm-hmm. everybody can do that. But at some point, we've got to keep, you know, we're going to have to feed the top tier still too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. you know, the best have still got to rise to the top. There has to be a top. Yeah. Yeah. There has to be standards. Well, no, there just has to be a goal that, you know, that ultimate goal that's really going to get you maybe not ultimate success, success, but that those, those tiers to reach to where now you are a Hemingway or a Fitzgerald well, or and a I, Kerouac. And I certainly am not mm-hmm. saying I am. And no, I'm but, not going to, yeah. and I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not telling anyone not to do these things. Mm-hmm. Cause I, I mean, I think it's great. You can start your own magazine mm-hmm. and, and maybe you'll be the next big magazine, by the way. If you work mm-hmm. hard and do it, mm-hmm. or or art gallery, or you know whatever it is you're doing, so it's not. I'm not saying not to. What I'm saying is there's just so much of it. I don't know what, as as a writer or an artist, I'm not sure what you're supposed to do as far as your your road, right, to take. You know, right. I I think that's unique to to the individual. I think it, it's different for everybody. Sure. And, but, it, and if you know someone, which, what, you can get of, places. Kind of a Taoist like that. So like, <laughs> you have to know someone. You have yeah. to know yeah. someone. That's, I mean, that's key. You that, need some sort of exposure, and, and you need someone to vouch for you, basically. In that's in all of history, though. But the, And yeah. that's, that's yeah. this whole thing with MFA. I went there to think I was going to learn to write better, or maybe, maybe I'd teach because I was sick and I couldn't work eight to five. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I've got people advocating for me and, and introducing me to the... Mm-hmm. And, and word of know, mouth, right? It yeah, gets, gets you places. It. It's Definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> well, I think you have to define for yourselves like what what success looks like for you. Yeah, exactly. What To you, what constitutes success? Is it being published? Is it having eyeballs on your work? Is it is being it, a total sellout, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean is that's it, money if that's is your it, goal. <laughs> is it somebody making t-shirts out of your stuff? I mean, is if, yeah. if that's what success, I mean, you know. And hey, and if that's on, your goal, then, then go for it. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to, you know, say you're a sellout or whatever. That's I think that's well put. I think that's right. But if you <laughs> narrow it all down, if you strip it all down, I mean, we just, the artist wants to connect with as many people as they can. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do you get there? Um is the question right um how do you let the people who you connect with know that you're connecting with them <laughs> right. yeah. seriously you must <laughs> right. would you say that you have a, a genre of writing that you fall into something in a in a big picture that you know people would understand like 
Yeah, I mean, it's pretty straightforward literary fiction. Okay. You know, like a, a commercial literary fiction, okay. probably, you know, um, uh, today's world. Um, I know. I'm trying to think of today's author. I mean, you know. Uh, like pulp mystery writing. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not science that? fiction. I, I, if, I, if I could, I mean, man. Uh, but, you know, I mean, a Franzen style, you know, piece about people and their world um i know people have a hard time with him but he is a good writer mm -hmm. i mean he's a great writer but um he can be hard to deal with um i you know and i just i love all fiction but i mean literary fiction like i said mm -hmm. i mean just it's it's my favorite it's always been my favorite you know sun also rises was always one starting point for me i always loved hemingway's first you know, right because it was just so it's almost about nothing if you you know right. what i mean yeah yeah I mean, it's just a life about life and about a love interest. And it was kind of like this snapshot of life. Yeah. That, you know, it's longer yeah. than a snapshot. But yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of I hope there's something to my writing. Mm -hmm. You know, I hope there's something that people are like, ah, you know, you want them to stop for a second. Absolutely. Right? You know, and that's. Uh, but yeah, I, I right now, anyway, my themes, my focus is on America. Okay. Um, that's what I'm focusing on. Um, I don't think that has to no be. No satire, just straightforward storytelling. There's certainly satire in my. Okay. Um, there's, certainly, <laughs> there's certainly dark okay. humor. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. As it should. Yeah, I was going to say, his, his last name's Minnelli. There has to be a little <laughs> bit of dark humor <laughs> and dry sarcasm. Yeah. That's in the, <laughs> but that's just in the story. I mean, <laughs> right. that's just within the dialogue and the characters, mm -hmm. right? Who would your favorite, I mean, if you could pick a favorite author, would mm. you be so bold? Or that, I mean, that's, well, for me, that's a really hard thing to choose. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I'm all over the board, right? Reading, uh, David Foster Wallace has just always intrigued me, okay. his nonfiction and his, and his fiction, because he's just tried to do something different. Mm -hmm. And so he's a bit controversial just because of the way he writes. And I just thought it was, I just loved him. Um, I had to work really hard as a reader Mm -hmm. uh, probably too hard, but I wanted to know where that balance is. Mm -hmm. Like, I because I was fascinated with it. Um, I like Pynchon. I like um, Don DeLillo. I like White Teeth. These are and what am I reading now? Uh, I, I just reading uh, short stories. Ray Carver. What we talk about when we talk about love, which is fantastic. I just read uh, Oranges Aren't the Are Not the Only Fruit um, by Winterson Gal. She's so funny. It was mm -hmm. a great book. So many books. I've got to read 20 yeah. this semester. So I, I'm trying to think of all these. And they're all fantastic, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then let's see. What else? I don't Favorite author is hard, though. Yeah, that's, but, that's an unfair uh, question. I do, have, I do have my favorite authors, though. I mean, like, definitely Foster Wallace and Hemingway are two that influences on me. Mm -hmm. um, and um, Was there one that inspired you to? To write. To write in, in, at first? Mm. You know, it was funny. Um I think Sun Also Rises made me want mm -hmm. to write novels. Okay. I used to write essays and kind of funny, kind of mm -hmm. like like the blog, I'd say. Right. Uh, and then, um, yeah, it was it was Sun Also Rises wanted me to write novels. And I used to write screenplays a little bit, too. Um, I enjoyed that. It was a little... <laughs> I was going to ask you about that. Would you ever write a play? Have you ever thought of that? I've tried to turn one of my screenplays into a play with a friend. Who, uh, Metro has a great... Uh, every year they do the uh, I can't think of the name of the play the uh, 
They, do, they have a great deal every year, and um, they bring in a great playwright. And I think I tried to turn w one into a play real quick. <laughs> but, you know, it's quite a bit of difference between a screenplay and a play. Mm -hmm. um, but, oh, yeah. you know, the MFA has a playwriting track, and so I do a lot of those uh, lectures and talk with them all the time. They have great, hmm. great faculty playwriting, too. So, um, But, yeah, the screenwriting I loved. I mean, it was like writing the movies and stuff you know mm -hmm. oh god i used to write comedies straight comedies for those <laughs> and that, that was fun any graphic arts like comic book to, styles oh no i used okay. to draw i used to draw i'm not that great but i love to draw charcoal charcoal's my okay. favorite um that's my favorite I, I always look for charcoal wherever i go and it, when i traveled the world i'd always try to go to the city the city's museum mm -hmm. the art museum you know the moma whatever the, uh so sydney or you know, wherever I was, right. you know, in New Zealand, I try to catch even small ones if I could. And it was always my favorite thing to do, you know, mm -hmm. just get in there and see the art. Um, it's funny because I think I'm probably an overwriter, uh, maximalist as a writer, and I'm a minimalist as an, when I, as an art lover, you know, I, I love one of my favorite all time pictures is a, is a picture of a, it was by it was by an anonymous it was in Museum of Modern Art. And it was a, it was a picture of a woman that was leaving the picture. It was just white. Uh, it was almost tissue paper. It was in frame, and um, it was so thin you could see the scratch on the back, you know. Of the mm -hmm. paper. But the woman was leaving the picture, exiting the picture, but she was looking back, and it was so much white. I mean, it was yeah. very little, very little uh -huh. drawn. <clears throat> it was charcoal, and uh, something was going. On. She was obviously leaving something behind, you know. And it was anonymous. And it's, I can't. I'll never forget it. It was just something that grabbed me, you know. And um, I, it's in my book, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's, I, it's, uh, or at least the idea of that picture mm -hmm. is. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, I, I don't know. I love all art, though. I mean, I love sitting in this room. I love seeing all these <laughs> art in here, Michael. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so earlier I asked about the, the style or genre of writing. Now, uh, what style or genre of music do you put yourself into, sort of? Yeah, so the band has really um, come together uh nicely to play uh more of a country blues indie kind of sound okay. um kind of the uh older 90s early 90s sunvolt wilco um maybe even a little whiskey town kind of sound uh we just got a new steel guitar lap steel guitar that sounds awesome in it and cool. so yeah we've really gelled um we have all kinds of background styles playing um i'm i used to be a blues guy i got a blues guitarist and uh the girl that's in our band is uh, Laura Streeter, and uh, she used to be a front. She used to be the lead singer for a band called Gage, which was a alternative band, you know, hard, hard, hard alternative band um, in the '90s. And uh, I've got a, a new guy, Sam, who's got a real wide range of uh, uh, encyclopedia kind of brain of music, and mm -hmm. he's he's um, he's kind of the producer of the band. He's always working on the set list and the uh what we're doing but he's good um he's got a good voice and he's kind of the uh, indie kind of guy um and then my drummer is rob clemens he is uh comes from an old he, he's about my age he, he played with some hard rock bands uh in the uh early 90s and uh, mid 90s um had some success so he's uh well-rounded and um and i played with him in some other projects um um, the lead guitarist was uh, Tim Rosemeisel, and I played with him since high school. He's fantastic. He's kind of been hidden. I'm bringing him out into public to, for the first time. Um, 
And then uh, I've got uh, Dan Stein who does the bass and the lap steel. And uh, it's just, uh, it's just really coming together. And it's got a good sound and it's got that indie, uh, <laughs> indie, um, like I said, the indie country kind of indie blues okay. sound, and uh, it, it's kind of a, it's just kind of gelled that way, and it's it, um, I'm writing that way right now, and the band likes it, and that's important. <laughs> so, um, and they all play multiple instruments, and that helps, you know, piano and keys and uh, uh, ukulele and mandolins and. And what all do you play? I play all that stuff. Okay. I, I play guitar. Um, and uh all those other things and piano and stuff. so you guys all just mix it up huh yeah yeah it's been fun we're still trying to find our way a little bit it's just all happened so fast you know um and uh but it's it sure is fun you know that would uh, make for some pretty cool like dynamic live stuff you know because then you could switch up your instruments as yeah. you do your sets and yep. i always find a lot that of improv too yeah improv and so, so now when you when you write the are you when you write songs, do you also write the music? Because I mean, we've talked to musicians before that they'll mm -hmm. write the, they'll write the lyrics, but then they'll work they'll collaborate with the other musicians yeah. to write the music. Do you do all of it, or does it is it a group effort? Or yeah, uh, yeah I, I'll write. Um, <clears throat> what I'll do is I will write the um, song and the melody, and um, and then I'm real open. Uh, I, I really want everybody to bring their expertise to it, though. You know. Um, Unless I have a, a hook or something in my head mm -hmm. that I really want you to play this. <laughs> Otherwise, go ahead and do whatever it is you do. But we'll work it out then. So, you know, I bring mm -hmm. this song to them. And usually what I do is I put it in front of them and I just play it for them. And they just kind of fiddle around while I'm playing. And then we just keep playing it and it grows. And then I hear something and I say, yes, I like that. You know, perfect, you know, and it kind of grows. And then... What I try to do is record it for them, send it to them at home, and then they'll just kind of keep working on it, and then they come back and they'll bring more stuff to it, and uh, it grows like that. Um, and then from there, you know, I, I mean, and it seems to work. And it, so, you know, um, I, I'm a big believer in, I, I know I've heard bands in the past where <laughs> the guy who writes the songs does, he writes everything, even the drums. Because right. he'll get on an electric drum pad or something, and he'll just have to. And then he brings it to the band and says, it's got to be like this. And I just think you're limiting it. You know, I right. mean, you've got all this talent. Why not mm -hmm. let them bring the creativity to exactly. it? Exactly. So yeah. um, that's what I try to do. So you try to keep it nice and collaborative. So like, mm -hmm. so do you ever run into a situation where, like, say you come up with a melody and say, like, the guitar player, he comes up with a riff or, or you know or something that fits and then that inspires somebody else to go you know what i was going to approach it this way but after hearing that oh they yeah did. oh yeah we've changed total directions and lyrics change and then i'll change lyrics to fit it better you know oh, okay. or something um keep the meaning of course right. but change the lyrics you know i'll tell you a good story uh we had i had this bluesy song and uh it was a pretty typical blues song. It was called Outward Bound, and it was it was pretty typical standard beat, little upbeat, fast song. Mm -hmm. And uh, my Sam, who's our other guitarist, and uh, he plays a little bass, he says, uh, "What if we slow?" Yeah. Well, I should start by saying that um, we were drinking, and <laughs> Sam had come over, and he was he was testing how many drinks he thought he could do the night of the show before he was going to go to shit. <laughs> Uh, which we found out was like three. <laughs> anyway, he says, what if we slowed this song down? And we were like, eh, I don't know. So we tried it, and it was awesome. 
and it turned out great. And it's been that way ever since. Mm -hmm. But the next time we got together, we started practicing it. And Sam says, are we going a little slow on this? (laughs) (laughs) So it shows you even the guy who comes up with the idea doesn't always remember. Yeah. Um, Sam, sorry. (laughs) You're going to ever listen to this. So does, so does the, with, like the incarnation of the song as as you know as you guys decide on it is it based on what sounds good to you guys or how the, you, you know how the audience receives mm. it it starts with us for sure um hopefully i think we have a good representation of what we think the audience would like it but um certainly after you play live things change um we have this song it's called wind at my back that we threw in uh a waiting room show and we played it last and it's kind of a fun song and it's upbeat and uh i don't know it's kind of a mix between a wilco maybe rolling stones song or something i mean the crowd loved it and they just all came up and were dancing and we were just all like what the heck is going on here we threw this in last second i mean we had the song Mm -hmm. but we didn't write it last second but and so then we played it again. We just played the Omaha Entertainment Awards Showcase, and uh, we played at Burke's Pub, and we played it, and same thing. And this is, you know, it's a great song, but I think of it more of a bar song, mm-hmm. kind of live song. It's not my first choice to be on an album or something, you know. And so, I mean, that song has totally dictated our live set, right? Or you know, right. And so and though that happened, that's happened with about four or five songs actually. You know, our sets dictated by audience response obviously mm-hmm. even the even one you know there's a slower song that seems to get really good stops the crowd kind of thing mm-hmm. so we that song gets played you know um yeah. so so i guess the your answer your question the audience helps dictate the show for sure or or, right. or and what kind of show it is like this oea the omaha entertainment awards show was it's really intense bands were you had you had 15 minutes to set up you played for 40 minutes and you have 15 minutes to shut down because the next band was up, right? And um, it was in this bar that doesn't, Burks, that doesn't use music, although it was great. But it was just, you know, it was packed, it was small, you know, and it was just intense. And I wasn't going to play that slow song, right? I mean, right. it was loud, it was drinking, it was midnight. You know, we were going to go up there, we were going to play, you know, and kind of rock a little mm-hmm. bit, you know. So, I mean, things, I guess it just depends on... Did they do judges or anything like that for that? No, but no? What you, we you're supposed to encourage. See, it was it was basically for uh, Omaha people to go out and see. It was two nights. You go out and see the bands, all the local bands, original bands, and then you're supposed to you're encouraged to go vote online. Okay. And then the, I guess you go people who get the most votes are invited to the award show in November, and it's for theater, art, music, I think. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they get finalists. You know. So, so cool. you're are you you're the singer then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's there's three singers, and the girl you know the girl Laura Streeter yeah. she's fantastic and Sam sings back up and he has he has a song he sings and he wrote um, that we play that's fantastic. She has a couple songs. She's a great writer. Yeah. Um, I I mean I've written most of the songs, but um, they bring their songs, um, and what I've told them is you know we'll play any of the songs live. You know as far as the album. They probably will keep them for their own projects, mm-hmm. or maybe not. If they fit the band, fine. I mean, we're pretty much open to doing whatever, you know. But we'll certainly help them make their own album or do whatever. But so, do you have like a like a Black Keys kind of feel? Or sometimes, it just depends. Sometimes on the track. it can. Okay, just trying to get a feel. I tried to get you to go to the show. 
Sorry. There was a, oh, was this one that I was busy or something? Yes. Huh. Sleeping. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I missed That's it. Right. Well, I mean, because I was kind of struck by seeing you guys on stage. To me, you guys kind of had sort of a, I hate to say, jam band kind of a feel because everybody, Sometimes. everybody just kind of. Like you would do a song and then Laura, Laura would, would, would sing and then somebody else yeah. would jump in. And I thought that was really cool because it, the transition was seamless. Like everybody oh, was just cool. right on and they knew, okay, next it's over here, next mm-hmm. it's over there. And you don't see that in a lot of bands. A lot of bands are just, we have a structure, we're sticking to that for our entire set, yeah. and then we're getting off the stage. I, I, I really think it's important too. I, I mean, you look at a lot of the great bands over time, and not all of them, but I mean... I'm not a great lead singer. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I am. And I mean, I think we have great songs, but I think it's they're better with all of us singing, A. And B, I think sometimes if a song's better, if Laura sings it, then I'm going to have Laura sing it, you know? And a lot of bands are like that. I mean, start with the Beatles. Right. <laughs> I mean, they right. had three singers, yeah. four, Brinko singing. Right. And, you know, and Fleetwood Mac and a lot of those bands, you know? I mean, not everybody has the great lead. So when you write, does that influence? Sometimes. I mean, do, you, do you go, okay, I'm going to write this, but you know, I really don't think this is right for me to sing, but maybe Laura would be better. Or Yeah. Uh, you know, when I'm writing alone, I'm always writing for me. But now I'm writing parts or backups or I can hear it. Mm-hmm. Or I hear Laura's part for sure. Or she'll bring it to me. She'll say, I've got, I did, I've, I'm hearing this. I'm going to bring it with you and I'll, I'll show you. It. And it's usually great. You know, it's usually amazing. So... Um, it's cool to see everybody's juices flowing and I think that's that's the neat part you know you get together we get together in my basement and um, the basement's completely destroyed now it's just banned (laughs) microphones everywhere and and drums and I mean but I mean you know I mean we get set up and get going and 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 usually you know if I say okay I got two new ones and you're uh, you know you can keep up but you know I think it keeps it fun Oh, I forgot my train of thought. Here. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, uh, you mentioned earlier, like your wife is enthusiastic. I mean, she's really behind you. She yeah, it's you pretty important to have someone behind you, especially mm-hmm. when you're practicing in your basement. Yeah, Tif- Tiffany uh, is great. She just, you know, uh, it's funny because I'll tell you. <laughs> so before we went and played library, uh, a couple of people are a little bit nervous because they hadn't played ever or in a long time. <laughs> and so I was like, why don't we just invite your wives, your girlfriends, your fan, whoever you want over, just family or whatever, to my house for the last practice, and you can just we'll play for them, you mm-hmm. know. So <laughs> Tiffany, so we had some beers and wine and everybody, you know, and we set up and we got downstairs, and it's not very many. I mean, it's like twelve people, and uh, my wife is just talking the whole time through the thing. I mean, she's just <laughs> like she's at the bar, you know, and and Sam's girlfriend's there who hasn't heard us, and she's talking with Tiffany, and they're in the front couch they're on the couch and they're just talking like it's just rude and it was so funny and i was like well you guys got the real experience of the bar you know and 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 tiffany's like what i've heard the songs like oh my god a hundred million times i don't need to hear them again but it was it was just so funny i mean (laughs) you know anyway that's so she's good she's good about it i know it's amazingly not that loud to be honest so That's hysterical. Because when we saw you at the library club, I think Stacy and Tiffany talked the entire time. <laughs> it's just really a social occasion for Tiffany to get out. So, you know, she doesn't need to hear him. That's for sure. 
I seem to remember a lot of concerts I've been to where the significant others are completely oblivious to what's going on because they've been to every stinking show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's hilarious. Practice. Because we, the, when I went to the library with Tiffany to check it out mm-hmm. before we played, there was this young couple sitting there, and I didn't know it, but he was going to be the second act. And he got up, and she was, and she was cute. She's kind of hippie-ish. And she just sat there bored. <laughs> I mean, just the look on her face was disdain. And Tiffany and I were one table over, and we were laughing, and, and she was just, and he was having a blast up there. <laughs> right. And he's smiling, laughing, clapping. The crowd was having fun. Just straight face, and I kept. I always bring her up. I'm like, be that. Make sure you be the uh, girlfriend. You know, the guy's girlfriend. <laughs> God, why do you gotta be a bitch? I mean, just are you mad or you know? I don't know. Just pretend. Yeah, I mean, just smile and so on. Pretty good. Do you uh see any part where at some point you know you'll get on stage and you'll just kind of improv oh or or do you already do that? Well, yeah, when you forget the words. Right. But <laughs> there's I, I, I try well, to tell... learn the songs, everybody doesn't know the songs yet. So People are like, How do you forget your own words? Well, when you write a million songs, you know, and, and I'm like, but seriously, I, I don't know what happens. You've practiced it a hundred times and you sing the wrong verse in the wrong order or or you just forget the words and so you just make them up. Mm-hmm. And I and I I, nobody notices, you know. If you if you just play it, you just make them up, man. You, you know, <laughs> just roll with it. Bunch right? of bombs in the air. <laughs> so it's just like you know, go with it. Um, Start singing someone else's song. <laughs> yeah, I know this one. You know? <laughs> so uh, I did. There's so many mistakes that happen that the audience doesn't realize, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how often it happens. I I don't think it can happen that much in the big concerts, you know, but. Whenever you see the guy after a song turn around and smile at the other band member, you got to know they screwed up. Right. You know? And they're just laughing about it because I, I do it every song almost. You know, I mean, I've done it where I've played the chorus twice too many, you know, where I got, I went on again and they're all looking at me like, ah! And then afterwards, I'm like, sorry about that. You yeah. Know? I don't know what happened. You're just excited. You're mm-hmm. up there, the adrenaline's going, and you, you know, in practice and, or whatever you're thinking about the song. When you're on stage, you have to really get yourself to think about the song because you you're think you're looking at the crowd, you're having fun. You're like, oh my god, look at him! He's funny. He's laughing. He's dancing. He's, you know, or or you see someone singing your song back, and that's the greatest mm-hmm. thing, right? Or that catches you by surprise, and then you're singing the next. It just kind of wipes you out there. Wrong words, or, <laughs> right? You know. Then the person singing along is going, "What? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know you that's yeah, not how it goes." Even they're calling you out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Telling all their friends. Exactly. <laughs> So you have uh, shows coming up at the waiting room? We're supposed to have some shows. I'm waiting to hear October and December, hopefully. Um, December is probably very likely, and then October we're hoping. And then um, from there, I don't know, but hopefully we'll have it on our website. We're on Facebook under Bazil Mills, so if you want to check us out there. How do you spell that? Uh, B-A-Z-I-L-E and then M-I-L-L-S. We'll we'll keep a calendar on there at some point as we get shows going. And do you you've got your your website where you have your blog and that's uh, DaveManelli dot com. Yeah. And do you talk about your music? Do you promote your I shows on there? So I people, should. Yeah, I've got a music page on there that <laughs> okay. I need to update more, and I need to be better about the blog. But I, I there's a lot of stuff on there mm-hmm. that you can read now. I mean, it's not dated, I don't think, and um, I got a new blog up there from last week, so. 
I'm not a daily blogger. That seems I put too much into it. Yeah, and, and it would just exhaust me. Yeah. <laughs> and what about short the short stories and and some of the other fiction mm. that you've written? Is there a place that people can? No. All right. Saving it for the <laughs> hardcover. That's like, that's interesting. Uh, maybe maybe in the future, uh, you know, I would think about something like that. Uh, I'm still, you know, I I think that's. Uh, I mean, that's a, kind of a tricky thing. Yeah. I mean, because you don't quite want to put the whole thing on the interweb. Yeah. Yes or no? Without, maybe, like publishing it, you know. Maybe right? the published stuff you would just link to it or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe, you know, that's it's a good idea. But yeah. All right. Uh, any other questions today? Nope. Nope. Really? We covered everything. Yeah. yeah this was awesome. Thanks all for right. having me. Thank you. And uh, thank you all. And you can uh, tell everybody who you were again. Uh, I'm Dave Minnelli. And, uh, thank you very much for joining us today. My thank name you. is Janet Mills. I'm Michael Shookus. Michael Peich. Brandon Engel. All right. And thank you very much. And this is the part where I say what they make me say <laughs> every episode. You started it. <laughs> it's your fault. I'm, you made me. <laughs> So just remember, where you come from is gone, where you thought you were going to, we're never there, and where you are ain't no good unless you can get away from it. Every episode, it gets better. <laughs> <laughs>